This is episode 87, I'm God's Favorite with Shanna Blackburn. This is an encore episode that Tawny did with our good friend Shanna, and this is one of Tawny and my favorite episodes ever. Anytime somebody asks us which episode to start with, if they want to jump in and they're just learning about the podcast, this is the episode that Tawny always tells them to start with. She just really loves it, and we just hope that more people can take this idea to heart. We hope you love it just as much as we do. Welcome to Becoming, a podcast for teens and young adults, where together we are becoming more than we are and who we were always meant to be. We are your hosts, Tawny Beardall and Erica Peterson. Each episode will feature different topics to enhance your growth, help you see the world differently, and discover who you really want to become. Better Screen Time has just created a new course specifically made to help families with teens. It's called Untangling Teens and Tech. The course gives you step-by-step tools to involve your teen to create healthy habits in tech use while helping you bring your family closer together. Interacting with tech is a life skill that should be taught, not ignored or over-controlled. If you want help teaching that skill, click on the link in our show notes and use the code BECOMING to get 20% off enrollment for a limited time only. Today's episode is going to be so much fun. I feel like we've just had so many interviews lately and I've just missed chatting with you guys. I miss talking with my friends. I've had this really fun idea for an episode just floating around in my mind, and I couldn't really connect to exactly how I wanted to do it until the same thought kept coming back to me that I needed to have my dear friend Shanna Blackburn on with me today. Welcome to the podcast, Shanna. Thanks, Tony. I'm glad to be here. Well, Shanna has four beautiful children, and two of which are teenagers. Tell me how old your girls are again. Callie is 15, and Allison is 13. And they are the cutest. I absolutely adore your daughters. So thank you. They adore you. (laughs) Well, thanks for sharing them with me. I feel like I get to be part of their lives and it's so important to me. I love them. You guys, Shanna is such a blast, but the best way that I can describe her to you is just by telling you a little story about her. So my daughters and I went to Shanna's house late one night. And right when we got back in the car, one of my girls said to me, mom, Every single time I'm around Shanna, I just feel so much love. Look at I'm just getting emotional thinking about it because my other daughter and I, both of us, like, agreed instantly. And we were like, yes, every single moment I'm with her, I feel loved and I feel special. And that is such an incredible gift that you have, Shanna. Well, thank you. That's so sweet. And like we've talked about before, I feel the same way. I mean, I've called on you so many times with my girls late at night. You've run down and helped me in crisis mode. And it takes a village to raise these babies. And I just feel blessed that we have each other and we can rely on each other's strengths. Absolutely. I am so grateful that my kids feel that deep and tender love from you because they know that if they needed something and I wasn't there for them, they know that you would I'm getting so choked up. I hope they know that. (laughs) They know that you would be there for them. And that means like the absolute world to me. So I'm just so thankful. So you guys are just going to adore Shanna throughout our conversation. 
And you will see why I just needed her to be the one to talk to us today about our subject. And what we are talking about is actually called confirmation bias. So what did you think when I called you and said, hey, will you come talk about confirmation bias with me? I had no idea what it was. But once I started reading about it and looking things up, it's actually the most interesting topic. It's super fascinating, right? Yeah, I'm so excited about it. But I read a quote by Buddha that said, what you think you become, what you feel you attract, what you imagine you create. It's perfect. I love that quote. I feel like it's a really simple sum as to what we're talking about. So just to explain it further so you guys really have an understanding of what we're trying to get out of today, I just want you to know that confirmation bias is a psychology term. Don't get bored right off the bat thinking, oh, great, we're, this is going to be fun. We're give gonna, it a minute. Give us a minute. We're going to have a really fun spin on this. But a lot of people discuss confirmation bias when talking about its role in politics or how people decipher news articles. But we're going to make this way more applicable to you in your everyday life. And it's funny, after this episode, I guarantee you'll just be stirring with ideas of how you use confirmation bias in your own life. Every day. Because we have been calling (laughs) each other all the time. Oh, my gosh. And this. And And this. this. (laughs) Yes, it's so fun. So we are excited to kind of explain different examples to help you guys understand what we're talking about today. Well, first off, after I started researching confirmation bias, I found a couple of sentences that really helped explain it like clearly without getting too technical. And they talked about how we tend to just have many swaying thoughts and feelings towards ourselves, our beliefs, and our values. So this basically means that people seek information that confirms their pre-existing beliefs or opinions. We are always somehow looking for evidence to support our biases or our way of thinking. And we do this without even knowing that we're doing it, right? Right. It's really prevalent in how we handle relationships. So a lot of our feelings about someone can be pinned to our first impression meeting them. So let's say you met a new kid in the hall at school and within the first minute you just pegged him like he was super funny. He said something funny and you're like, oh, I get you. You're that funny kid. You're the class clown. And so every time you see him after that, you're looking for evidence to prove it. You're just watching and like, oh, yep, yep, look how funny that kid is. So every time you see this guy, you're waiting for him to say something funny, to be the class clown that you already have him pegged to be, right? Yes, and this can be in positive, loving ways. Like when I met Shanna, I was like, she's the nicest person I've ever met. And I've always found reason to believe that. But you can also do that in a negative manner. So you can think like a girl was just a complete brat the first time you met her. And then every time after that, you're looking for ways to prove that. That she's just a jerk. Yeah, she's just terrible. I knew it. I knew she was a jerk. Exactly. So what our mind decides is this confirmation bias. And we're just searching for it every time after that. Our minds can be changed about these different biases, but it's going to take a lot more time after our mind has decided to look for these patterns to change our mind about someone. It can happen, and it does, thank goodness. You can definitely change someone's first impression, but it just takes longer after their brain has decided to keep looking for those patterns. Not only is this evident in our relationships, but there's so many other areas in our lives where you can see these confirmation biases taking place. Our brains just begin to recognize these patterns and then it turns them into thoughts and then expectations that align with those patterns. So for example, it may seem as if your teachers always seem to give a test on the exact same day. So it might happen a few times and then you're always looking for a way to confirm that it keeps happening to you. 
why can't they just space their tests out throughout the semester? It, do you remember this? It's like feeling like the teachers talk to each other just to destroy your life as best they could. Yes. Or when you're driving down the highway, I always, always hit every single red light. Always, right? Always. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't always hit every red light, but she's paying attention to the times that she does, right? Yeah. You focus your thoughts on finding the evidence and you give it attention every time it happens. But those times when you end up just having that one test a week or that you hit the green lights, for some reason, your mind just totally decides to ignore that instance. Or call it luck, right? Oh, I hit one green light. We don't, we don't count all the, the 500 green lights that we hit or you yeah. know, every time that the teacher doesn't give us a test or whatever it is. We don't give it the attention it deserves because we're looking for the opposite. So last week, I was telling my husband, Dan, about what you and I were going to be talking about. And I said, what do you notice in your life? What are confirmation biases that you see repetitively? And he said that every time he has to go to the bathroom really bad in a public place, it is always closed for cleaning. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and I said, yeah, right. Like, whatever. It happens every once in a while. And then I kid you not, like two days later, he was at the airport and I got a picture from him. And I opened it up and I was confused at first. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> it was a picture of a cleaning cart <laughs> outside of the bathroom that said it was closed for cleaning. See, he's proving his point to you. He's proving his point. Isn't and I'm sure so funny? every time. Every time. <laughs> <laughs> but he is paying attention to the times that it really does. So there's so many different examples of this. Uh, one that really popped in my head was I have a son. His name is Tay. He's almost four, but he has red hair. And it was really surprising when we had a son with red hair because my husband and I are both really dark-haired people. And when he was born with red hair, everyone was telling us like, oh my gosh, red hair is so rare now. Like it's a recessive gene that supposedly like redheads are going to be extinct. Uh -huh. Have you heard this? Uh -huh, yes. So I was like, oh my gosh, we just won the lottery. This is the best thing ever. And I'm thinking red-haired people are so rare, but I kid you not, the second we leave the hospital, everywhere I go, I'm like, redhead, at the doctor's office, they're down the everywhere. street, <laughs> at the store, at church. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're everywhere. I don't know. I've never really paid attention to how many people had red hair before, but now that I'm looking for it, I see it everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, another one is I got a silver minivan a few years ago, and it seems as though everyone drives a silver Honda Odyssey now. They are all over. I everywhere see them you everywhere. That is so true. When you get a new car, it's just so strange how often you see it when you didn't even notice that car beforehand. Mm -hmm. These are just a bunch of fun little examples. I'm sure that you have some of your own staring in your head right now. And it's been fun to just recognize that we're doing this. Like, I see it way more often in my life since I've had this All in the my time. Mind. It's been so much fun to take note and really pay attention to it. So basically, we are just trying to tell you that when you are looking for something, you are going to find it. Happy, sad, good, bad, whatever you're looking for. Yes, we will always find evidence to support the belief that we already have. Even if it isn't a fair assumption, this can be kind of dangerous. If our bias is something that is negative, it will just drag you down and we will keep finding reasons to believe that that is true. Like if you said, I have the worst luck. Or I have no friends. Exactly. You're going to find reasons to believe that that's true. Or what if you said, I'm such a klutz. I keep getting hurt. I always get hurt. Well, if you always had that thought on your mind, every time you think it, you're going to feel like you are always the unlucky one. You are always the klutz. 
And something will happen, almost guaranteed, because you're thinking that you're going to do it. Like if you're wearing heels and you're walking down the stairs, I'm going to fall down these stairs. Well, you probably will. Right. <laughs> because you're thinking it. I, that's called a self-fulfilling prophecy. What you think about is what's going to come to fruition. You are the master of your own destiny, right? Absolutely. If we focus on it, we will find evidence of it. Since you guys are now aware of this, after we've given you all of these examples, wouldn't it be so great if you put your confirmation bias into good use by purposely thinking positively? Now, Shanna is the perfect example to me of this. <laughs> she is often found saying my new favorite phrase that I have never heard anyone else say. And the first time I heard her say it, I wondered if I heard her right. I was like, oh, come again? <laughs> so It's a pretty bold statement. <laughs> it is, but it's my favorite thing I've ever heard anyone say. What's your favorite phrase, Shannon? I am God's favorite daughter. And it's true. You are God's I favorite daughter. I can prove it to you. <laughs> I love you so much. So tell me, do you use this in humor or do you really believe this phrase? I really believe that I am. I want everyone else to believe it too, but I happen to know that it's true for me. <laughs> <laughs> that is so good, Shanna. So when you say this, I'm God's favorite, you're not saying this because you think you're better than anyone else. Like, that's not at all what you're saying. No, in fact, I want everyone to feel this way. I want my girls to know that they are God's favorite daughter. I want them to know that. Yes. I want my friends and my sister-in-laws and my mother, I want everyone to feel the same way. And they can. Wouldn't the world be more beautiful if we all felt like we were God's favorite daughter? It absolutely would. So when did you start using this phrase? You know, I haven't always used this phrase, but I started using it about three years ago when we moved up here to Idaho. So you moved up here to Idaho. Why Why did that kind of initiate that phrase? Um. So I lived in Utah my whole life. I have six brothers and my mother, who I'm very close to, and father that lived down there. And I never thought... I would ever want to live away from them. Yeah. And from the moment that my husband and I decided to move our family up here, I felt like Heavenly Father was holding me by the hand and leading me to the exact neighborhood and area and schools and home to the exact friendships that my children needed and that I needed. And everything that happened, I just kept thinking, Heavenly Father is leading me. I am his favorite daughter. He is so genuinely aware of every intricate detail of my oh. life. And I just started saying that. I mean, I, I really felt it. I felt like, gosh, this can't be right. This can't be, you know, just a coincidence. A coincidence. I have to be God's favorite daughter. Oh my gosh, I love it. So when I first heard Shanna use this phrase was when we had a few families do a service project for our, a local homeless shelter. And we were earning money for the shelter. And it was this huge feat. We were feeding over 200 people. Right. And we were in over our heads. and We didn't realize what a big project this was going to be. We did not, but we were dedicated and we were going to work it out. So we kept having these like amazing little miracles happen. Yes, we did. It was miracle after miracle. First of all, we did service to earn money and we asked people for donations. We would do yard work for them and then just ask them to donate whatever they wanted to so that we could buy the food. And after we did the yard work, we did not have nearly enough money. No, we didn't. But to we, we could have bailed our kids out and we could have just donated the money out of our own pockets. The whole process was to teach our kids to have the heart to serve and going way deep in, we wanted them to earn the money. We yeah. prepared the food. Then we served the food, right? Yes. It was this three-part process that was just really phenomenal. So, Our kids loved it. We loved it. But we didn't have enough money. So Shanna is just the funnest person, and she was the one we dedicated. I'm pretty <laughs> she, bold. 
So <laughs> I had the courage to walk into Albertsons and walk into Costa Vida and walk into Winco, and we asked for donations. And there were so many miracles. One of the first miracles that happened is we needed to go grocery shopping to Albertsons and began looking at the prices of things, and it became overwhelming. So we called the general manager up and told him of our project and what we were trying to do. And it was right after the holidays, and he happened to have three frozen turkeys that he was, you know, willing to donate. It was incredible. To this, it was. And then he said, let me know when you're checking out. We go up there and he just takes 50 extra dollars off of our bill, just out of the kindness of his heart. It was incredible. And then Shanna is in the car, like counting the money. And we somehow had, I don't know, like a hundred dollars more than we thought we had. Where did it come from? We don't know. It was seriously a miracle. So that way we were able to go buy socks and scarves and hats for these homeless people. And I heard Shanna probably utter that phrase, that beautiful phrase, you guys see, it's because I'm God's favorite. Look at this. It's amazing. (laughs) Aren't you lucky to be surfing with me? (laughs) (laughs) And I know I was. And then I started to kind of think, well, maybe I am too. And you are. I am. So then uh, we were talking about how we needed to buy these roaster ovens or borrow them from friends. And I'm kind of frugal. And I was like, I don't think I need one. And you're like, well, I'm going to buy one. So I kid you not. The next day I happen to be in Target and I'm walking down the aisle and I see a clearance and I'm like, wait a minute. Is that a roaster oven on clearance? I go over there. I look. You guys, roaster ovens are fairly expensive. This one was on clearance, brand new, for $20. So I immediately, I'm like, oh my gosh, no way. So I pick up the phone and I call Shanna and I'm like, Shanna, I'm a Target. There's a roaster oven for 20 bucks. Do you want it? And she's like, yes, yes. And Probably then marked wrong, but grab it. <laughs> <laughs> but then what did you say? Well, see, Tony, here, again, I am God's favorite daughter. <laughs> and I was like, yes, you really are. <laughs> it was amazing. But that's when I really was introduced to her thought process and why she can so easily say that phrase. And I loved it so much. Shanna is always looking for evidence to prove that she is, in fact, God's favorite child. She is actively looking for it, you guys. But as she focuses on that good, she just naturally brings a positive energy and a love and a light into her life. And I would really, really love it if every one of you could all believe that same phrase and look for ways to prove that it's true. I am God's favorite. You are God's favorite. And I'm sure our Father in Heaven would love it if we all felt that way. And he does feel that way about every single Absolutely. one of you. Absolutely, Every single one of us. If we had this phrase on the forefront of our minds, we would always be finding evidence of him in the very simple details of our lives, but also in those big moments of our lives as well. Shanna, I love that you can so freely say this phrase, but I have to know, what do you do or what do you think when terrible things happen? Does that phrase just go right out the window? Like, forget it. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not his favorite anymore. Uh, no, I feel like I've been very blessed um, with a mother that taught me how to, even through hard times, find the positive, see the blessings, see the immediate goodness of our Father in Heaven. Mm. She has gone through some really hard times. I'm constantly amazed how she has a son that's dying of a terminal brain tumor and a daughter-in-law that has stomach cancer and a quadriplegic son. And at least twice a week, she calls me and tells me about how blessed she is. And I'm always saying, mom, if I am ever as blessed as you, shoot me in the head because (laughs) I see her life as being hard. She is constantly finding the positive in life and telling me how blessed she is and 
how, you know, a lot of it is in the relationships. And yes, our family were very close. I have been blessed with three amazing brothers and three amazing stepbrothers and an amazing stepfather and my mother. But to get to where she is, she has seen the positive and seen the blessings of our Father in Heaven through everything. Awesome. So I see that you've been able to find that silver lining in all of the hardship in your adult years and recognizing that your connections and your relationships are what even through those things is what has bound you guys together even more, right? Right. How did you handle difficult situations when you were a teen? Um, so I'll share a couple of stories. First of all, I was raised in a very affluent area. Um, there was a lot of money. And I lived on the hill in a big, beautiful home. And my sophomore year of high school, my mom was going through her second divorce. Mm. And um, we had to move out of our... 6,000 square foot home and live in an apartment while we looked for another home. So hard. And you were a sophomore. A sophomore in high school. And that time of life, you're always comparing. A lot of people can find shame in having to go through that huge transition of life. Right. And I was blessed with amazing friends, but I never felt less than. Um, I drove a $500 rust bucket of a car while my other friends had (laughs) brand new cars. I never felt less than. I never felt embarrassed about pulling up in the car. You know, I... I'd like to say it was all my friends, but I really believe that I was able to see past that being who I was. I wasn't about a car, right? I was God's favorite daughter, Tony. <laughs> but we moved into the apartment, and then we found a home that my mom could afford, and it was a little tiny home, and we bought it, and it needed a lot of work. And I mean a lot of work. Like, the basement was infested with termites, mm-hmm. and... We had to sand the entire outside of the house and repaint it. And all of these things, my mom could barely afford the house, right? So we had to do all of these things. And we had to put new flooring and new subflooring because the subflooring had rotted out. And I mean, just thing after thing after thing. And I will never forget my mom's gratitude to our Heavenly Father as she would stand back and look at it and thank us children for being willing to help and say, you guys, look what we have done. Look how hard we have worked. We are so blessed. I am so happy to be in this. And I saw that my mother worked so hard. My mom would go to work and come home and iron clothes to get extra money. Or we would go clean homes together. I mean, she worked her tail off and then, you know, raised four children. And how could you not have anything but gratitude towards her? For Well, and she taught us that, right? Yeah. She taught us she always had a home-cooked meal. Every night she cooked dinner. What an amazing woman. She is, hands down, the most amazing woman. She's taught me so much. But through the hard times, she, and not that she didn't crumble, because she did. Yeah. She did crumble so often. But she would pull herself up and look at the blessings and teach us kids how to be grateful and how to thank our Father in Heaven and how to see the positive. That's so beautiful. And that's why her life, no matter what happens, I am sure of it, she will always be a happy person. Absolutely. And I love that she was that example to you. And because of that, you are an example to so many people. Oh, I just adore your mom. I do too. Um, You know, another thing, my mom always... (laughs) I want to show you pictures of me in third and fourth grade because I had these horrible buck teeth and these (laughs) thick glasses. And I just remember my mother telling me that I was so beautiful. I was just the most beautiful girl and I was a princess and I was 
this wonderful girl that was trying so hard to be like Jesus, and I was such a good peacemaker in the home, and she would point out these qualities that I had. I honestly grew up thinking that I was the most beautiful thing in the world. And I look back at my pictures and think, Mother, (laughs) help a girl out. And she did. She got me braces and contacts, and (laughs) I turned out okay. But you're gorgeous. But I look back and think, I didn't think anything else. She pounded in my head that I was wonderful just the way I was. And that my father in heaven was proud of me just the way I was and for who I was becoming. I love that. So beautiful. So I feel like what my mom was trying to ingrain in me was, you know, Buddha's quote, what you think you become. She was telling me to think that I am beautiful, to think that I am a happy person, to think that I am lucky. And I became those things. And what you feel, you attract. You feel confidence. You feel um, Positivity. positivity. You feel happy. You feel lucky. You feel like you're God's favorite daughter. What you imagine, you create. I'm thankful that I had a mother who helped me cultivate that confidence from the inside out. Yes. And that's where it really begins, is understanding like our self-esteem and how we feel about ourselves. It shouldn't come from needing outside recognition. It comes from the inside. It comes from believing it first. And that's where we need to um, help our biases become more positive. And it isn't always easy. It is not always easy to be positive. And it's okay to have a bad day. And it's okay to have a bad moment. But we can't linger there, right? Exactly what we're trying to portray right here. We can't. We can't just stay in that negative space. It's not serving to anyone. It's not serving to ourselves. I know we all have a heart to like love and help other people, but we can't do that if we aren't first compassionate with ourselves and love ourselves. So having those negative thoughts isn't serving you and it's not allowing you to serve anyone else and to grow really good connections and relationships. Right. We all just have these different confirmation biases based on what we have chosen to focus on in the past. And like I said earlier, we usually don't even know that we are doing it. But today is a new day. You are aware of this now. And you have the ability to change how you direct your thoughts and your biases. So instead of trying to prove that you are a klutz, that you are unlucky, or that God hates you, because none of those are actually true, You can decide what will be your new truth. You can choose to look for the opposite evidence that you are wonderful, you are blessed, and you are so loved, and that you are God's favorite. If screen time has become a point of contention in your home, you need to hear about Better Screen Time. They have tons of free resources and amazing courses to help you and your family find the screen time harmony that you have been waiting for. If you're interested to see what type of courses they have, please click on the link in our show notes to learn more and use the code BECOMING to get 20% off of enrollment for this month only. 